Welcome to New Polities Podcast, everyone. As always, subscribe to the magazine only now with special urgency because it is Christmas. It's a new year. That means another four issues are coming out for New Polity. That is actually five issues. Oh, well, yeah, because we're late on uh, issue. It's sent. It's to the printer. It's to the printers. 4.4 is to the printers, and we hope to have a wonderful review of it, although it is a lot of gender stuff. But today... Talking about reviewing, actually. We are reviewing the year. It's one of these things people like to do. They like to sit back and see everything in retrospect, like God, as he looks at time, not as one going through it, but as one watching a caravan pass. I think that's what Aquinas said at some point. Caravan, really? Yeah, like he sees the whole thing, beginning and end. Yeah. So to us with 2023, pour out a drink. The year gone by. <laughs> At least it will have gone when we release this. What a waste! Oh man, that no, was that's a good the... drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Mark, this is actually kind of fun. I um, we, you didn't we mean were actually just... kind no, of fun. no. I'm actually saying that the, this one I'm going to enjoy for the first time of the all hell, of man. our podcasts. <laughs> No, this is kind of special because yeah. it's like actually getting to do this with you. This is fun, you know? He's, you know, we go through these yeah. years just like two soldiers beleaguerdly trying to find the platoon we lost somewhere in Berlin or whatever. And um, Rarely do we. Rarely do we get the t- chance to sit back and say, what on earth did we go through? Why did we even fight that war? So let's have What's some so, schnitzel right now. so <laughs> important about Europe? <laughs> Things like that. So here we are in review. 2023, I mean... Um, I speak with some prejudice here, but one of the most exciting things for me is that we survived the year. Um, We didn't think so. Actually, (laughs) many people don't know this, but there was a real threat to our lives at one point. Was the train crash this year? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, East Palestine, we had a train derailment and we had a lot of people emailing us a little bit worried. Steubenville is very close. In fact, the same train that derailed rolls past my house and gives me a cheery little toot toot at 6.30 a.m. There's some other unchristian hour, I forget. Uh, And it was the same train that obviously as a punishment for its toot tooting derailed and and delivered its um, load of polyvinyl chloride. The, the vinyl chloride everybody thought would be a good idea to set a flame yeah <laughs> so they burnt that up and we were worried about it coming into our water system and it affecting us with various everybody got filters this year that's yeah. probably a good move we probably should have yeah. done that before. so new polity was on the line i mean it oh, oh boy oh. <laughs> new polity had a uh, had a moment there but it turns out that we're all fine <laughs> we're all good it's all good but no, not just our physical survival, but the survival of the magazine, which is always a breathtaking moment, whether we'll actually get this thing out, we'll publish it. But here we do. Here we have 2023's three issues, and the fourth is... <laughs> you know what's amazing? It's coming. You know what happened this year? We grew by 50%. Oh, it's like subscribers? Yeah, subscribers, yeah. like 45%. So it's, I'm exaggerating slightly, but about there. That was yeah. pretty cool. And usually our pitch for New Polity is that um, it will make you special. And unique, and will allow you to lord your intelligence above your peers. But now, with this increase in subscribers, like you are lame and a loser for not subscribing because you're missing out on what the popular 800 plus people are doing, <laughs> right? But it was great. I mean, I mean, this was the year of 2023 where we had some real come to Jesus moments um, because Jesus said. Frankly, this this magazine's unreadable, and <laughs> and so I said, Lord, I understand what you're saying. It's odd for you to show up this way, but I appreciate you, and I will do what you say. And so we made the magazine more readable, more fun. Um, included a review section in the back. We've included debate sections, which are really fiery. I really enjoy those. Um, adding poetry, adding 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 evidence, as it were, on the literary level of the efficacy of Catholic social teaching as it's being thought out as it's informing our work and our lives. And we're hoping that comes across in the magazine now. And that's great. I'm hoping that it'll be fun for the whole family. You know? Why do you hope that? You know what? Because I like children unlike you. I <laughs> do find them difficult. <laughs> you know, I, I'm so excited. I, we, Ruben Slife teases us about just coming to work and talking about kids' books instead of deep works of philosophy and theology, because that's what we read at night to our yeah. children and to our sons when after and to ourselves when they go to sleep. And um, I put together a couple of essays for this next year about Rapunzel 
and Rumble Stiltskin. Mm-hmm. And you wrote one on list last year on Curious George the Monkey. Yeah, was that last year? Mm-hmm. I feel like it was the year before that. Ago. Yeah, but I You're am on this bandwagon currently working on one on uh, Doctor Seuss. Sweet. Yeah. What's your hot take on Doctor Seuss? Well, you know, you look at his life, and, and granted, he had a, a strange life. He famously said, "You have the kids; I'll entertain them." Uh, despite being married, um, his leanings politically seem to be ba- like a basic liberal American. Um, and, and so ostensibly when you read him, you're, you're not getting anything too radical. But every time I, I look at his children's story, there's something just like frankly medieval about them. Um, there's a critique of tyranny that hmm. runs throughout. There's a, a mockery of human pride that is very consistent um, and, and very Christian in its scope. Hmm. And one of the reasons that I'm talking about it now is because it's Christmas and I want to talk about the Grinch. Because this is a good example of this here. Did he write The Grinch? He wrote How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Wow. And uh, I thought Jim Carrey wrote that. No, yeah. that's well, not there, true. There's an interesting okay. there's an interesting thing here. So 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 what the Grinch really is is Protestantism. Uh, because it The Grinch is a Protestant or he is Protestantism? Well, I think in the subconscious of Dr. Seuss, as he's writing this, he, he obviously about. has the history of the suppression of Christmas um, as a Catholic celebration in Ireland um, by the Protestant English, yeah. Oliver Cromwell being yeah. the OG Grinch. That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> he, yeah. he had Cromwell in mind. Is that, well, in England as well. I mean, this is this is actually a crazy part of the Reformation history that isn't popularly taught on either side of it, that Christmas was suppressed for six years. Yeah, in England, yeah. Yeah, in England. It's crazy. And people were singing these songs like, Christmas, where have you gone? Yeah, and no, Oliver Cromwell was just tapping his green little finger saying, I have to stop Christmas from coming. But how? Um, police, actually, is the answer. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so so people may not be aware of this as part of their own cultural consciousness that Christmas underwent a, a massive threat. Um, it became at risk. And ever since then, the celebration of Christmas, especially in America, which then commercialized it and shipped it out, they were actually receiving Christmas, which was not part of the original sort of Puritan mm. sort of, except for, you know, here and there. It uh, wasn't part of the big Puritan thing, but was actually part of the Irish Catholic immigration yep. part of American history. So now the very people who had Christmas suppressed are coming to the land of freedom. It's, history always works like this. Like it never really quite makes sense. But the point is that the Irish Catholics in America are in some ways deeply responsible for the cheapening of Christmas, but at the same time bringing it back as a phenomenon that... that was even celebrated in yeah, America. celebrated, actually. but yeah. also saved in some yeah. in some great respects. And I think that that's... That's actually true to the phenomenon of the of the Christ child, that Christmas only ever comes over and against the human effort to snuff it out. I mean, Christ didn't just arrive, he arrived with a death warrant. Like he before he arrived, people were committed to killing him. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that's extremely important. And mm-hmm. when he came, he came with the blood of the innocents. That was his arrival. Yeah. And there's something very beautiful of that because we have the virgin birth, which is painless, which is unbloodied which is the sign of something new in the world, but the world is suffering, you know, the consequences of its sin. The world is bleeding. Yeah. The world is crying out. Anyways, the point that I was trying to make was less profound. It was just, it was just that this, this sense of Chris, Christmas being a hard-won reality against an em, enemy devoted to its destruction is obviously present in the Grinch. I think this is true to the phenomenon of Christmas itself, the arrival of Christ, uh, and and I think it continues in in Doctor Seuss, and especially because, you know, the the Who's down in Whoville who liked Christmas a lot. And I'm not talking about the Grinch, who lived north of Whoville and, and did not. Um, well, they are obviously these little stereotypes of Catholics, like yeah, yeah. So they, so they like they're these little like midget, obviously peasant level intelligence things <laughs> that get together and sing strange Latin yeah. hymns uh, and and uh, and sort of dance around a tree. Uh, and that's what really annoys the Grinch is hearing the hymn, hearing the Latin. Yeah. Uh, and he wants it to stop. And and um, and they don't know why. I mean, maybe it's that his 
Shoes were too tight. Um, <laughs> That's the best theory, actually. I think no, but what they, what, yeah. it, what they come down to, the theory, what it comes down to is that his heart, the Grinch's heart was shrunk. And that is, that's the big problem is when charity is no longer the governing virtue of the social order itself, but becomes privatized simply as a, a individual instance or possibility rather than the very modus operandi of the culture of the people. Well, then your heart shrinks, right? And then you don't, you don't want these kind of garish social expressions of love conquering everything and winning the day. And so um, you... Get dressed up as Saint Nicholas and try to scam the the Catholic, the 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 Who's. Yeah. So instead of going down at night and stealing everything out of people's houses, you can just spend a month beforehand, you know, dressing up and taking everything out of their houses. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> All right. Anyways, I'll look forward I'll, to that on Dr. Seuss. But what, but what you were hoping to point to is just we hope to uh, add a section to our magazine. Um, so we, not, not just what we've done in 2023, but what we look forward to in 2024 is a section of our magazine devoted, and it's for the kids. Yeah. So it's t- actually telling the story and then giving a real interpretation of it. Right. So I'm you can, so excited you can read Rapunzel yeah. to um, your, your little who, um, but then also looking askance while you, to the side, you can see how Rapunzel really is a story about. Oh, I can't remember. How yeah. Rumpelstiltskin's really a story about? <laughs> uh, trying to fight off all your vices, including the one of identifying what vices really are. Ooh. Like ignorance, fear, these things. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it, it, it is. I'm so excited. Okay. Yeah. That's excellent. All right. What else do we do in 2023? <laughs> well, we're about to do a seminarian retreat. Cool. It's starting tomorrow. We're going to teach these guys. They said, you know, we... You and I always give like these principles. Here's the principle to follow, yeah, you yeah. know? And then we're not going to tell you exactly what to do unless it's closing your 401k. Then you should just obviously do that, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, the, but, and everybody at the last conference kept asking us that question. What do we do now? What do we do now? And we kept saying, talk to your priest, talk to your priest. And these seminarians got in touch and they said, okay, that means that we have to be ready to answer some of these hard questions yeah. about Catholic social teaching. Can we come out and do that? And I said, yes. So we're going to have a, a retreat where we start to answer some really practical questions. I start to help them learn through the systems. of. Uh, but I told them, I have an ulterior motive here. I am sick and tired. Look at me. I'm sick. I'm tired over here. And I'm sick and tired because I'm t- I've heard too many bad homilies. Yeah. Stop doing this to me, people. Yeah. And so I said, we're going to spend a full day and we're just going to read the Bible. And we're going to to do like basic exegesis, like here's how you actually read the scripture and how you can teach us to read it too. And then to be able to preach better and bring people to Jesus, preparing them to receive him in the Eucharist. So that's my ulterior motive. Of course, picking the happy passages about Catholic social teaching. That's going to happen. And next year, I think we're going to do a, a, you know, a bishop's retreat, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know. Come on down. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds excellent. <laughs> That's happening. Yeah, the the you know, the spiritual power needs to wake up a little bit. Yeah. Cuz um the the exegesis on the passages especially when Jesus Christ is informing us what to do with money, what to do with power, mm-hmm. um how to how to deal with it. Uh, they're they're beholden to a legacy of sort of temper no um, to a very soft coddling interpretation. Now there's mm. there's just like Jesus, yeah. soft and coddling. I mean, there's no it's no great mystery here. I don't think we should be surprised. Like when you have a church that um, largely cares for itself uh, and its priests through investment in the stock market and other means, um, and largely depends as it should. On the um, the giving of the laity through the means that they are accruing wealth, which is also the stock market, which is also you know the ways of the world, mm. then it becomes very temp- it's easy to be tempted towards timidity in preaching when you're worried that the effect of being obedient to the preaching might affect the livelihood of of elderly priests and, mm. and such, and so it's a totally understandable 
situation. But what it leads to is um, nothing ever changing. It leads to people not knowing what to do, people interpreting the parable of the talents as some kind of call to invest in the stock market somehow. Dude, it's just so bizarre. You know what I'm talking about there, Yeah, right? yeah. absolutely, yeah. People write this stuff. They say this stuff. They have yeah. no idea that that the church fathers are rolling over in their graves. Actually, yeah. they're not. They're they're, they're right. spitting on us, you know, from <laughs> the top <laughs> for interpreting it that way. Yeah, I mean, it is it is so bizarre, and I think we really need um, to have a spiritual power speak this truth to us. Yeah, and, you know, we can never yeah. get to the place of heroic virtue if we're not told. The, the heights that we have to actually climb to. I, I talked about this a little with you when we were planning for this retreat, and it seems worth sharing just that the phenomenon we face is not this kind of brazen, you-can't-tell-me-what-to-do attitude um, in the church. I mean, sometimes it's spun that way, mm. but it seems like liberal Catholicism is basically dead, boring, it doesn't affect anything, we can ignore it, that's not the problem. Mm-hmm. The fascinating thing I see is like really faithful and pious people who really want to be good, who are stuck in these basic structures of like not giving, of, of having certain virtues that are no longer comprehensible to them, like yeah. magnificence or beneficence, um, and they're going to like holy hours three times a week or something. Totally. I think your, your line was, it was really moved me and thinking about it since, is that when you find somebody who is a speculator sitting before Jesus in the adoration chapel, yeah. that that is only possible through an absolute failure of priestly leadership. Yeah. You know? Yeah, right, exactly. Like yeah. when you see a, a rebellious son you know, kind mm-hmm. of burying his teeth in his rebellion. You can say, okay, here's sin and all its ugly consequences. We have yeah. to deal with this. But when you see piety just not getting it mm. and just stuck in these little small closed circles of, of greed and viciousness and not even, not even being able to name it, yeah. like this is, this is where you need a father, a mm-hmm. father who can see what his children are going for and say, hey, kid, this isn't how you do it. You're, you're, you're going down a bad path. Let me, let me help you out of it. And it does seem like that's what we're missing. And I, I think that preaching is the normal way to do it. So we hope to give some, give some help to the preachers. Yeah. That's going to be really fun. They're good, good guys coming too. All right. 2023, of you course. Also included your grocery box, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I started a grocery store. <laughs> yeah. What'd you do this year? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Well, uh, in, in, so this has been a really cool project that you and Greg Damari have yeah. have been uh, championing the last couple of years, getting and, local farmers and our wives and your wives, getting local farmers to um, uh, to start saying thinking about feeding us here in Soonville and having us here in Soonville thinking about having our friends feed us rather than having the conglomerate. Yeah, you yeah. think sovereignty is cool? How about food sovereignty, baby? Come on. 2025, Steubenville will be food sovereign <laughs> of itself. Wow, this is quick growth you're going uh, for. Uh, yeah, yeah. That might, I might have to push that back a little <laughs> bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it just seems like like the one of the obvious pernicious effects of um, the anti-Catholic regime we live under is that the only way to eat is to um, have food shipped on big trucks from far away from strangers that you don't know if they even like you, much less love love you. Yeah, and you don't know whether or not this is really a cow or not. Well, there's that too, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I worry about that less, actually, just because <laughs> the rise of the... Um, of the, I mean, it's funny, right? Because the, the greed and the ambition and all the vices of industrial capitalism provoke the managerial state to deal with its consequences. Mm -hmm. Because as we know from New Polity, that whenever you neglect virtue in people, you are only left with the tool of coercion. I mean, that's all you can have. So what we really need is people who love us to feed us. But since we have opted for people who don't care about us to pursue money through the means of food, then we have also said, okay, since we're going to do it this way, we're going to have a managerial state that has more and more power precisely to protect us from viciousness as 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 the norm. Mm-hmm. Well, this is great. I suppose in some ways, I'm glad that <clears throat> there are people who will fine and otherwise hurt other people for not giving me beef when they say it's beef. 
that's a sort of limited good. But I'm glad it's there. Like, I don't eat rats. But then it becomes extremely hard to break out of the system. You see how sin compounds upon itself into a structure because now the only things that can be managed at the level of state intervention mm-hmm. are things large enough for that state intervention to be meaningful and efficacious. Mm-hmm. One of the obvious examples, I know I've complained about, about it before, is something like dairy. It's like, it is bad for milk to be bought and sold at the scale that it's being sold at creates lots and lots of problems creates the necessity of pasteurization Mm. and then creates a a, a great increase in the power of the managerial state who mandates certain um, health and and a regulatory regime Mm -hmm. on this industry Mm -hmm. now the problem is that in order to sell milk then as a small dairy you're basically forced now to be doing the same kinds of health and regulatory things that a large industrial process is doing precisely because of how large it is. Like, mm. So it becomes necessary to be big in order to obey the law because the law is made to fight big things like a big industrial milk process from being poisonous. So it just, you know, you lose it. It's the same with eggs. You want to just sell some eggs and you're not doing anything bad and you love your neighbor and so you're making sure your eggs are fine. But in order to do it, you need to undergo an inspection process to be able to sell at a retail store that is designed to stop from people people who are doing large-scale uh, egg selling operations, thousands and thousands of hens, from poisoning people. So all of a sudden, you're held to the standards of, of a tyrannical regime when you're just trying to be a nice guy selling eggs. <laughs> anyway, so... Well, anyway, that's a, so we started. So, we, so I started the grocery store. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah. Well, and it's right here on Fourth Street, so it's right behind us. Yep. What, what did that building used to be? So um, it used to be the florist of the town. Um, it was a very old business that, from the beginning. It was always no. A it was something else before that. I don't know what its original purpose was when it was built, but since the eighties, it's been a florist. Yeah, and um, when. Gregory Damari um, um, and I and our wives begged a bank to help us to buy the building. Uh, we had and a glorious new polity contributor. Uh, yeah, or not contributor more than more than one. <laughs> yeah, or, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we had. Some, yeah, nice. <laughs> it's fair, it, it, yeah, um, we have so many people, so many people to thank for yeah, it. Yeah. But what we wanted to do was provide a spot where we could sell um, local items directly to uh, um, Steubenville people. And so we connected with all these different farmers who are doing great stuff in and around Steubenville. I mean, some of you may know of um, the Healing Land, which is a homesteading project here in Steubenville that the Doherty's are a part of, as well as some of my own family members. Um but there's a great growth of homesteaders and sustainable agriculture types mm. moving to this area mm-hmm. and picking up land. You yourself picked up some farmland and it have big very plans. Heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and so we're just trying to be the point of connection between local growers and local eaters. And it's really been such a blast because you realize not only like that this is actually really simple if you just don't have profits in mind so (laughs) what i mean is like if you want to make money on food then it's hard to create a sustainable model that serves local people without it becoming very expensive Mm. i can now say with confidence like firsthand the reason why farmers market farmers markets are so bougie and by bougie i mean expensive Mm -hmm. is because what's happening is the middleman whoever's the farmer's market person Mm -hmm. is trying to use being a middleman is his career, and so the percentage that he's increasing in order to make it worth his time, and I think in terms of the money, I don't think they're being particularly outlandish. No. I just think they're just saying that I need to profit from this as well. Yeah, uh, That's what's driving up your price. That's the number one thing driving up your prices. Yeah. And so as as we find out with so many things in Steubenville, what's required to make a change from an industrial system that's hurting us is people some people at least who are willing to do something without making a bunch of money from it. Mm-hmm. Now I read this in the gospels that the choice was between God and mammon, but it's surprising to see it on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> like if you want mammon, you don't get a local grocer that's affordable. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to fill that gap. 
you know, but I think what's beautiful about the Catholic faith is that it gives us a motivation where there are no other motivations mm. because you can always act for love mm-hmm. because that's what Christ did and that's what God did when he created the world. And so it doesn't matter what else is going on. We don't have to say, okay, we'll do this if we get this much. We'll do this if you make it worth my time, kid, da 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 da, da. Yeah. <laughs> we can say, let's do it because it's a good, right? And let's be a part of the community that receives that good, a.k.a. because we do this, Gregory and I have a grocery store yeah. that we get to participate in. We get our groceries from the grocery box. See what I'm saying? I mean, this is a principle, I think, in Good Money the first season, right? Like, uh, I forget what we said exactly, but just the reminder, you are part of the common good. Yeah, you get to benefit from those things that you, you put your sweat money and tears into yeah Yeah, it's like what it's a it's a good question uh you know of an almost examination of conscience in a certain way about investment it's like what is the chief thing you're getting out of this investment and if you're like it's the money baby (laughs) then you got to get out because the thing is the chief thing you should be getting should be the thing yeah if you're investing in that real estate if you're investing in that company or if you're investing in a grocery store like this if you're not a part of it um, then chances are you're using everyone involved in order to get an end and your relationship is one of enmity, not one of friendship. Mm-hmm. But when you're a part of it, you can say very simply, yeah, I want this to exist because I get goods from it, you know? Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> <sighs> but the grocery store is great. You know, we're, we're only about 40% stocked. I've been learning a lot about how to measure flour, uh, learning a lot about where big grocery stores, Kroger, are just totally cheating were they cheating tell me like weird things like spices they upcharge spices so hard we were looking at the price of bay leaves like from a, a basic distributor in pittsburgh here yeah kroger's marking it up like two thousand percent what bay, it's because it's all packaging and that's the other thing i'm learning it's all about packaging i mean the, the world is just a question of how do you get big things into so little is that packages why when i come and get flour from you you just give me a scoop right <laughs> in my hands <laughs> just like they did in the middle ages yeah <laughs> That's right. No, but what we do do is have ugly packaging. I mean, part of what yeah. part of part of the reason things are expensive and locked into large systems is because we're not willing for we're not willing for things to look in a certain way. Mm. I'm not going to do this rant for long because I know we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> but but part of yeah. part of packaging is it's not just fulfilling the need we have for things to be delivered to us in certain portions. If it was, then we could get everything in a nice little brown box or, or you know, just bring our own sacks or whatever. Mm. Part of the need for packaging is a sort of spiritual assurance that this thing is a product of an industrial system that has been yeah. freed from the taint of contaminating human hands and intentions. Yes. And that we can just be a, a consumer. I mean, this is why we like brands. We like it because it promises inhuman sources. Now, it's an illusion. At the end of the day, like every source is a human source and there's hands touching things all the way down. But when it arrives in this little like hermetically sealed container with a brand that indicates a company from who knows where, there's a piece that comes with it. We get to just... It's true. I have a friend. He grew up on a chicken farm, industrial chicken farm, I should mm-hmm. say. And he's just getting, getting, and he left that and worked a different career and he's just getting back into... Uh, kind of rotational grazing and you know natural more natural forms of farming and he's telling his mom that he was going to do this and she was like what that's so disgusting like you're gonna have dirty eggs yeah <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Wait, what are you talking about like you know where this thing came from like why do you need it to be packaged do you know it and it uh, to your point that the packaging is such a powerful kind of liturgical experience that it even duped out the farmer Oh, totally. I mean, that's crazy. Totally, you know? yeah. And and it increases our costs on a basic level and also our commitment to being consumers of, of unknown and strange things. Because like, think about it. When, when something is given between person and person who know mm-hmm. each other, that person is, as it were, the packaging of the thing. I mean, yeah. like, like they say, I give this to you, and, yeah. and they give you the trust. They give you the security. Knowing them allows you to say, yeah, he probably didn't spit on my yogurt or whatever. Yeah. You know, because he, he likes he me, he loves did. me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, once, once virtue, yeah, yeah and, and vice is also possible. But that's what I'm saying is, you know, yeah. don't buy yogurt from Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but once you... 
<laughs> once you get rid of um, the necessity of virtue to mm-hmm. provide us with the social order that we have, you've got to replace it or else you just have pain and sin. And so where, where what we do is we replace it with the coercion of the law, which mandates certain codes in mm. terms of packaging, and then we invest all of that um, trust in the in the in the packaging itself. I mean, mm-hmm. they've done studies on this. The amount of security we feel with a familiar brand—it's like being coming home again, almost. Yeah. Uh, but you'll notice with the friendship thing is that you 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 don't you don't mind a certain uh, dinkiness of of the package. And what we provide at the grocery box is pretty dinky looking package. <laughs> Put almost everything in, in various paper bags and uh, jars and bottles that you can return. And you get uh, the cost of the packaging back. And we've got an ink stamp where we stamp everything. Boop, boop, grocery box. Yeah. So so come shop with us here I in mean, Steubenville. I mean, don't. If you don't live in Steubenville, don't. don't. These are our groceries. Just stop it. <laughs> Making the market weird. <laughs> don't buy a house either. Yeah, yeah. Get the hell out of my town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Turn off this podcast. Yeah. How dare you listen? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, localism is hard to pitch actually as a uh, as an attitude because it's sort of yeah <laughs> silly thing to broadcast. Yeah, you just have to walk down the forest. Ladies and gentlemen and of the world, yeah. we want to tell you all that uh, ignore us right now. We have a secret. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? We did the you know one of the highlights for me this year was the timber framing course. It was just so that was awesome fun. It was so cool to see all those guys in the building. It's just yeah, and Adam Robazzoli, um, who was one of the main instructors, the main instructors for two of two of them, um, it's just such a good man. I mean, he like just is sprinting after Christ, and he's making want to, making people want to to love him more. I mean, it's just so so exciting. Yeah. You know, so a couple of conversations that I've been having with. Adam, well, actually, let me tell you one story. There was a tree that fell in his backyard, a cherry tree. And Adam thinks to himself, what's the most masculine thing I could possibly do? And he, th- and he decided, he was hand-hewing that log. Mm-hmm. And you know what he did? He did the ma- most masculine thing possible. That's the type of guy Adam is. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Is that the one that's over there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A- Alex, can you bring that in right now? <laughs> thousand pounds of cherry tree. Yeah. Uh, it's Yeah, it's so cool. But one conversation that we've been having... And I'm really, you know, it's, it's transforming into um, a course that we're going to be doing this coming year, a, a course that we're doing, I think, first in February, and then we're doing it again sometime in April um, on the kind of introduction to home ownership. So if you're a new home owner or if you've lived in a house for a long time and you still don't know how it works, you should probably still come. scared of it. <laughs> yeah, take this course with us. It'll give it. you the basics, all of that. And, and we'll be doing... A theology class on the domestic church at the same time, yeah. and and that's that's been one of these conversations with with Adam, precisely because what we're talking about is the domestic church is not like an, an analogical term. It's not an analogy. Like oh, the family's kind of like the church in these mm. ways, mm. but with all analogies, there's more differences than there is similarities. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the case. The family mm. is actually a microcosm of the church as a whole. There's mm. a substantial, essential part that the family has that is the a same essential part as the church as a whole. And so one of the things that's kind of very interesting is that just as there are certain principles, theoretical principles, about the way in which we should organize for worship in the buildings that are best utilized for that end, there are... S- similarly principles for the organization of a home and the way that the physical landscape Hmm. of the house is best fit for the nurturing of the domestic church as Mm -hmm. well. So you have like in, in, in a parish church, say, uh, like a cruciform structure, maybe you might have Mm -hmm. altar rails, the tabernacles right in the middle. Um, And there's certain elements too with the home. And one that's kind of very, very um, true, I think, just but though it might take a second to think about it, is um, the problems of um, of central heating, mm. where every part of the house is is you know given a nice uh, you know nice feel to it, and it then 
enables a family to disperse into every corner of the yeah. house. Instead of what traditionally we talk about as, as the hearth, the place where the family gathers, where the place where the family meets, it has its communion. And that there's something about the council of poverty that we are to take and to, to actually digest into our lives when laying out our homes. Totally. Uh, and that is, that is a classic traditional way in which we do it. And yet... Um, we ha- we don't anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's so funny the way that, like, like I, my, my house has a um, radiator heat in the furnace and the uh, boiler system, and mm. uh, but it's it's very old and it's very uneven, mm. and so we've developed a custom that we call feet on the radiator time. Me and my kids, <laughs> it's what it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> and, but this became a real demand of my you know children are you do something once and you got to be prepared to do it for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's right. So like feet on the radiator time is Wait, a, this is, is a, a tradition, time. Dad. We've always done this. Yeah, what yeah. Are you talking what are you, about? <laughs> it's from time immemorial. Yeah. My memory lasts a week, so yeah. it's time immemorial. Yeah, so we have feet on the radiator time, and and it's enabled precisely because there's this one radiator that's always like crispy mm. hot, and then others <laughs> that don't. But if it wasn't for that, it was for this sort of you know ubiquitous like this building yeah yeah, yeah awesome. totally. some patches like here. my house <laughs> yeah, <actually. totally>. yeah. <laughs> um yeah. no that's a beautiful thought you know, another thing that that i that i think is the case is like some proclivities we have towards open concept um design mm. which can have its uses in certain certain respects but I, I'm, I'm sort of um picking the kind of far out um tendency towards it for the sake of clarity that there's a tendency to to make bedrooms into private spaces and then for every other kind of living space, yeah. so your living room, your dining room, your kitchen, um, to like open them up to each other mm. further wide. Um, and of course, this is an obvious, I'm not saying you can't do it well or, or worse or better, you know, in terms of how it actually looks and feels, but there's an obvious uh, doubling of, of the macrocosm of our current culture church, which is that mm. there's like the privacy zone signified by the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like the zone of uh, surveillance, which is like the public space where yeah. work happens and life happens. Uh, and there's no mess. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but there's no, there's no like inner sanctum where, where the, this uh, kind of innerness, the inwardness is merely the thing that the individual goes to, mm. but there's no like, um, tendency towards a room, um, a space closed off for a social body to be a social body together, which is something you experience in, in cozier, like older homes, um, but also in a real clear way in having a home altar, or a particular place devoted towards towards prayer. Um, I'm not knocking people's houses. Like I'm sure your house is fine. Everyone gets what they get. Very yeah. few of you built a house. But you're right. It's worth thinking about. We are the domestic church. Um you know the family is the is the one blessing that survives the fall right mm. so it's the pre- it's continued presence of christ in history even unto now granted the new testament has elevated this but but its work has always been salvific mm. its work has always been christian in the sense of it's a place where love reigns and it makes people better if they're willing to go through it <laughs> and the house should reflect that. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. I'll take your course. Yeah. <laughs> I won't take your course. I'll read what you write after you do your course. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> You'll make me write. Whatever I hope it so. Is. I'm just, yeah. I'm not a, I'm, I'm a better reader than I am a attendee of classes, especially if they're in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> what else are we doing? Oh, um, 2023 baby is a big year. We had the College of St. Joseph the Worker. I mean, what's that? The timber framing classes are great, man. But what about a timber framing school? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am just so excited to actually meet these students. You just been, it was actually kind of terrifying the other day. I started counting up all the years that we've been planning this and mm-hmm. putting it together. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, no, I'm not young anymore. You know? No, no you've <laughs> lost all your hair. I had hair when I started to design <laughs> yeah. this, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, no, I mean, the, I mean, I uh, invite people to check out uh, the podcast that we did with uh, Mike Sullivan. Mm-hmm. For any more info on that, and just to catch catch the general vibe of enthusiasm. Um, but it's going to be a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and I, for one, can't can't wait to see that first class here in Steubenville. Yeah. Bright eyed, bushy tailed, probably stronger and more capable than me. Why Let's are you go. describing a bear? <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other, which great- is the mascot of the 
the, the college. Yeah. Wow. Determined right now. The bears. The bears. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the College of St. Joseph the Worker is a large sort of Catholic mouthful, and, and it'd be great if we could also just be the bears. <laughs> Seeing maybe like the hammers, you know. The hammers? Yeah. The, that's bad. Then it's like, oh, oh we get hammered. Carpenters is yeah. yeah. Carpenters isn't yeah. isn't great. It has a Masonic uh leanings, Element, I yeah, think. Yeah. Uh, neither the Masons. Actually, yeah. let's be the Masons. <laughs> I think it's in I terms think it's of you know, I made this video actually. I'm not kidding. Um, that I'm going to send out to Mel Gibson. Maybe I should send it out to him right now. Where's my phone? No. I'm going to do it. Gonna, I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you no. Do it. He can speed it up. All right, let's do it. I obviously had to cut this part for privacy reasons, but we're back to the podcast. <laughs> That's and a relief. Speaking of um, property acquisitions and the College of St. Joseph mm. Worker, I think one of the the great things to talk about is the fact that the college has had to buy um, some houses to keep these students, mm. which might seem like a little thing. But I think it's actually really important because one of the things downtown Steubenville suffers from is uh, empty houses, empty buildings, dilapidation, rust in a general decaying rust belt kind of way. Mm. And so I've been really just wonderfully chuffed to see the college pick up two houses right near me uh, and be able to do something that a lot of people can't do, which is put roofs on them. <laughs> it was awesome. And it meant that I spent a couple weeks where the boys from Mexico were coming down, subcontracting for the boy from Pittsburgh. Anyways, the point is, they were there, and I was talking with them, and I realized I just want to be a roofer, man. Yeah, <laughs> they're having way more fun than me. They are singing songs. They are incredible to watch. I mean, they can just it's nail incredible. out these things. Yeah, how fast they are. And I'm sitting there like I'm about to go away some flower, and uh, <laughs> just not quite bringing the same kind of joy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. There's a joy to it. Um, so, so that's been a, a marvelous thing to be a part of an organization that is, is bringing so much good just in terms of its, um, what's necessary to it. There's a life lesson in that for all of us who think that somehow the goodness we're going to do is going to simply be in, in the, the project, the kind of thing that we very willfully enact. Now, that's true. Everyone has a mission. You're, you're, you, you have a mission from God. There's no doubt about it, and you have to enact it. But don't forget that part of that mission is simply you. Like the things that you do are supposed to be themselves beneficial to yourself and to those under your care and your community yeah. as a whole. That means the way you eat, the way you walk, your home, the way you when you go to bed, yeah. your dreams. <laughs> Watch your bedtimes and your gate, everybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like it's like just the college just needed housing, yeah. okay? And it could have, oh, I don't know what it could have done, actually probably <laughs> built some dorms or something. But instead, it's used its own necessities as a, another way to, to be a gift, to be a, be a part of healing, a part mm. of restoration. Um, and that's a good example, I think, for all of us, is to, to ask those questions about, the necessities of life, which for the mm. Christian are never just the necessities, but always the means to our redemption, the means of our salvation. Yeah. Hey, here we are, 2023, big year. You know what else I'm looking forward to this next year? Next year, yeah. Good Money Season 3. That's right. You know what? This one is going to be the one where we actually have guests, so you don't have to listen to Mark and me the whole time. Yeah. And a lot of them will be here around this beautiful walnut cherry table. But we're also going to be out and about because we want to show you how some of these Catholic social principles started to change lives in our friends here in town. So we're going to be going yeah. over to the Scar Lounge and seeing how they are enacting those principles. We're going to go over to a timber frame structure that Adam Rabazzoli yeah. built. Um, we're going to have a conversation in that yep. uh, to discuss his great conversion from video game producer to timber framer. Uh, we're going to go... Oh, what else are we doing? Where else are we going? Oh, we're going to talk to Gregory Damari with the grocery box. We're going to go and, over there. We're going to measure flour with Greg. Yeah. <laughs> just learn about how just distribution is part of it. Uh, and we've already had a few conversations, which we're happy to, we're very happy to share with um, yeah. people doing incredible things in the oh financial world. Yeah. No, really quite quite outstanding. I can't wait to uh, share share one about a bank with all of yeah. you. That's going to be... Yeah. God's, God's first and only bank. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we're also speaking of the podcast. You can look forward to next year. Um, 
a second season of Gender with myself and Maria Brandel. We take a long time to think about it and actually to think about other things too. Um, but I'm really pumped about this. We're going to read some crazy books. We are going to make some very reasonable claims. Um, <laughs> we are going to discuss specifically the sources of transgenderism. Uh, because one of the things that I've always found difficult or wanting mm -hmm. in, in the current mm, kind of conservative reaction, understandable conservative reaction against against transgenderism is the idea of it simply coming from one kind of source, one mistake. Mm. As many people have memorably said to me, gender, that's not confusing. Just look down. And it's like, yeah, you're right. That, But what is the world that has to exist in order for the claims of transgenderism to make you say, yeah, that seems true. Mm. Right. Like what, like what, what has to be in place? What mm -hmm. institutions have to be part of your life? What habits have to be part of your day Yeah. in order to say, okay, there's a, I mean, things like there's a division between my body and my inner psyche things like this. Mm -hmm. um, and that requires, I think, a historical analysis, a sort of genealogy that. You know, no one critique is going to work. Yeah. You know, it's always going to leave something unsatisfied right, if we right. just say, like, well, this is because of, I don't know, the estrogen in the water or um, SART. I've heard that one. It's all really? SART's fault. Wow. Poor guy. It's one of my favorite. Uh, Ruben says that we should have a, a thing on our website because I always complain if I get an essay and I'm like I don't like this kind of essay he says you should write that down into a sort of like here are kinds of essays that we don't like <laughs> uh, that's one of those kinds of essays like all of the world went wrong after philosopher x wrote y yeah it's one where it's always like it's just so lazy yeah not quite i mean yeah. it just doesn't quite work um you want it to work i get it yeah. i want it to work i think i've written that essay i'm yeah. just saying we should stop <laughs> so, you and me so, both let's make a pledge 2024 2024 <laughs> no more of that so um yeah so gender and money and um who knows what else Oh, man, um, actually, we know there's going to be a technology. That's right. <laughs> yes, and technology and a number of books. One of them is going to be oh, what? Wh why I don't like children and why I don't like them. Wait, no, no, no. That's two. <laughs> That's not it. What? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what children are for and and things I don't like and why I don't like them. Two different books. Two They're different not books. the same thing. Yeah. 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 No, By Mark. The New Polity Press. You know, it's gonna be good God here. willing, and the creek don't rise, inshallah, it's going to be popping. So with these books, good money book, what, what things that you don't like, why don't you, why you don't like them? Yep. Um, it's alphabetized. Rocco Botiglione, how do you say his name? Yes, Rocco right? Botiglione wrote a marvelous book um, called The Theology of the People, on the Theology of the People, Towards the Theology of the People. It's one of those yeah. titles. And uh, Reuben Slife has been diligently editing translation of this work. Yeah. It is Big a time. fascinating book. I think it's going to be crucial in our understanding of um, theology as expressed in custom, mm. which is this whole source of Christian faith. Yeah. It's custom, but its presence in the life of the church is very mysterious and unclear. Obviously, John Henry Newman took a great swing at it in many places, but on, on consulting the faithful in matters of doctrine. Mm -hmm. This was a great one, and it's obviously in his work. Um, you know, the big work, the one he did. Yeah, yeah, Christian that Development, development, Christian doctrine. <laughs> you know, that um, one with the title in the pages, yeah. But uh, very excited to, to see, for that book, to see the light of day. We also, from New Polity Press, um, are busy with a project uh, with us and with the wonderful D.C. Schindler um, on a collection of his late father's essays, mm. that is D.L. Schindler's uh, essays on America. America. Yes. Um, what are we calling that? I don't know. I don't think we have a name yet. Schindler on America. America. And the picture of him standing on top of America. <laughs> America in the mind of Christ. What Jesus thinks about America, I don't know. That's pretty good. That probably won't work. I'll go for it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, D.L. Schindler has probably the most profound seminal critique of liberalism from within America's 
I mean, he is an American. I think he was the first person to kind of lift up his head, mm-hmm. philosophically speaking, and look and see that there is a fundamentally anti-Christian and ultimately anti-cosmic thing happening in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's not simply a matter of saying, hey, we're not going to do this thing. It's a, it's a matter of a, a fundamental metaphysical worldview mm-hmm. that is our inheritance that we must reckon with. Mm-hmm. Um, and during the time when he was doing this, he was largely misunderstood and, and by neoconservative theologians. And um, to this day, I think he, his his critique, while so perfect, has not yet been really taken to heart. Mm-hmm. So we're excited, excited to print those essays that we think really sort of summarize his his teaching for us mm. um and then our our incredibly brilliant Ruben's life is working on a um forward to it that will um hopefully Give save people no excuses to misunderstand <laughs> say it, <I> exactly <laughs> what the man wanted to be said um is that it so we've no got... and in andrew's book of course yeah which is the um, I have no idea what he's calling it, but yeah, the Kingdom and, of Gar- Darkness collection. Yeah, Andrew Willie Jones is, mm-hmm. is is re-editing and collecting a lot of his essays that could probably be lumped under the title of the Christian Critique of Hobbesianism. And if that bores you, yeah, don't don't call it that, please. Yeah, I would say something more like this gives us all the major um, pillars of our way of of um, approaching. Catholic social doctrine. Catholic social doctrine is its own thing. It's a force that we all have to docilely receive um, as, as a church. Um, our particular language that we use and, and the ways in which we um, think and teach um, these principles really comes out of some pretty heavy lifting that Andrew has done, and it's all really found in this book, which mm. is, he tells me, will be sent off to the printers, or excuse me, sent off to the editors in January. Amazing. Wow. So pray for us while we, in 2024, try to get that that press cooking. Because, boy, D.C. Schindler's feeling a little lonely out there. In the, <laughs> not just the flagship book, but the only ship <laughs> in the uh, New Polity Press fleet. Yeah. <laughs> You're about to be joined by many others, sir. Don't worry. <laughs> well, I, I'm just going to check... Mel hasn't gotten back to me yet. <laughs> yeah, too bad. <laughs> He's just, it, it's a long response. Yeah. He's making his own video. Yeah. Um, it'll be better. These are pretty good. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Anything else in 2023 you want to recollect and bring forward into the bright and glorious Christian future? Well, you know, one, one thing that um, I wrote this in a little letter that I sent off to a whole bunch of people that have supported the college and um, just in thinking about Christmas. I mean, our child's going to be born soon, and um, and like every child, he will disrupt our livelihood. Mm, he will overturn preach. every ritual that we have, every routine that we have, and that is exactly what Christ did when he too came in the form of a baby. Yeah. You know, he overturned the reign of Caesar. He overturned the money changers tables. Yeah. He overturned the reign of Satan, sin and death. Just like every child overturns things. His is just a little bit more dramatic. <laughs> and that the that the disruption that um, that the Christian kingdom brings is really a disruption not out of hatred but out of love i mean disruption at its best is fueled by charity that you love something so much that it begins to actually shape reform your life and your behavior and that's something so wonderful and so exciting so adventurous about following um, following the church's teach social teachings and actually trying to change work, family, and politics to more resemble God and his kingdom. And so I'm just so excited for this new baby who is going to, in love, disrupt everything about me. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. we don't, I won't see you for a little while. <laughs> no, please help me, Mark. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. That's the, the child comes to us, the child is given to us, and the world is not ready for children. I mean, this is just apparent in 
parents. Uh, come on, man. <laughs> it's the way they arrive, right? They're always a surprise. Um, even when you plan for them, they're a surprise. They cannot quench their surprising character. Hmm. Uh, and, and when they finally do arrive, despite having had nine months to prepare, they are received with cries. <laughs> Everyone's crying, actually. <laughs> um, because they don't arrive to a ready world. Hmm. They arrive to a world in need of love. Mm. And wonder of wonders, the baby is easy to love. And this is such a great gift that that they're hard. They're difficult creatures. They, they change everything. But when you look at the face of a child, you, you don't have to work hard to be in love. You can just let that come out of you pretty naturally. Uh, this is why, the, you know, yeah, I mean, babies are... Our fear, a fearful prospect because they will bring out our love and then we'll have to change our lives. Um, you think that's why Mary didn't feel any pain in childbirth? Because mm. at that point, there was nothing that you were not ready for. I mean, she was perfectly ready, you know, yeah. to, to receive the only, this baby. The, the point at which the world was ready is yeah. Mary. Yeah. 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 And, and by the grace of her son. Right. So... Um, yeah, in every instance, we're so far from being this sort of perfect image that our children can just imitate and become mm. like us. Like we're we're more apt to say, um, imitate this about me, but not that. Mm. Or imitate me later when I get yeah, all figured out. Do what out. I say, not what I do. And that's sin. That's sin at work in us. That's mm-hmm. that's the distance of man from the divine image. We're supposed to be images of God, and sin we tarnish the image, and so. Um, we are somewhat images to others to show forth who God is in our own person so that they can mm. imitate God by imitating us. Mm. Um, that becomes disrupted and, and that at the same time is precisely what Christ comes to heal, to give us back and then super abundantly restore us to our capacity as image bearers. Mm as ones who can image God. And this, this, you know, Andrew says this in all sorts of different ways. You've said it in all sorts of different ways, like to restore to us our capacity to create just social orders, to mm. restore to us the capacity to create good law. Mm. Um, and also the, to restore to us the capacity to be an image of God to another uh, unequivocally. And, and um, yeah, what's amazing in the Immaculate Conception and what's amazing about Christmas is that by the grace of God, by his abundant gift, man is once again ready um, to be an image yeah. to a son. But the paradox of this, of course, is that what makes man ready, what makes Mary ready, is precisely that she receives that perfection um, from her son, hmm. precisely that she's humble and so able to be a new Eve, you know, to restore in us the capacity to be images again, images of God again. It's a great time of the year. It's the most wonderful. I would time say of the so. Year. I would say so. Yeah. I would, I would. Yeah, I defend that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, there it is. Twenty twenty three in review, and we hope you're having a grand old Christmas. Yeah. Um. And we hope that you are maintaining in your family's life some place to remember the Grinch as an aspect of Christmas, which does come under threat. I need to get you an icon of the Grinch. St. <laughs> <laughs> Grinch, the repented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's the idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the idea. No, it's a hopeful story all the way around. Yeah. It's... All right. All right. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you for listening to us review 2023. And we hope to keep all of our intentions and promises of 2024 as best as we are able. God willing, creek don't rise. And please donate to New Polity, right? Oh, yeah. This was, this was the whole point of this. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. aren't going to be able to do any of this without, yeah. without funding. That was a big hypothetical. Yeah. <laughs> 2024 is an if. <laughs> yeah. If, um, yeah. I mean, Hope it was fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed 2023. Too bad it's going to be the last Too one. Too bad that's yeah. it. Unless someone here allows their heart to grow two sizes larger <laughs> so that our pockets can grow two sizes larger. That's not how that happens. That's not how that happens. We, uh, the whole operating budget of 
new polity is $301,000 a year. So a lot of people's individual salaries. That's the whole thing for the entire company. That's what we didn't talk about doing in 2023 is we hired wonderful people. Alex is one of them. Alex Stanley. Erin's the other one. Erin Balserak is incredible. She's the sharpest editor I've ever met. Wow, don't tell Ruben. He's pretty good too. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't listen to our podcast. No, no, no. He's he's too traditionalist for podcasts. That trad. Well, yeah. That's what we call him, Trad Ruben. Trad Ruben, yeah. Truven. All right, we should probably end this thing. Yeah, let's shut this up. All right, God bless you, everyone. Have a Merry Christmas. We'll see you in 2024. Bye.